0: We return to Show Me Today. Navigating the legal system can be daunting. Today, Missouri Nets Bob Pretty and Farah Fight from the Missouri Bar podcast talk to Springfield attorney Jason Krebs about disability law, all part of the Missouri Bar's program, Is It Legal To? Today, fair, we're going to talk about a situation that affects about one-fourth of all Americans at some time in their lives. And I was surprised to see that figure.
1: The Centers for Disease Control says about 26% of all American residents live with a disability.
0: And that means many of the people who listen to these programs deal with that issue every day of their lives.
1: Jason Krebs, who founded and is the managing member of his law firm in Springfield, Krebs Law LLC focuses on workers' compensation, social security disability, and personal entry cases in Missouri, Arkansas, and Oklahoma. Welcome to the program, Jason. Thank
2: you. Good to be here.
0: Disability is such a broad category. I've often associated it with wheelchairs and crutches and white canes, but we're seeing how broad the field can be. Can you give us a brief overview of this rather broad topic before we dive right into some of the specifics, Jason?
2: The disability program, there are several aspects of the disability program. The two main ones that, that most folks are dealing with are the uh, Social Security Disability Insurance program and then the other one would be Supplemental Security Income and uh, the first program the, the disability insurance program is based upon what you you know when you pay FICA taxes or your your payroll taxes or self-employment taxes it, it is a disability insurance program and that's how you pay your premiums uh, the supplemental security income side of things is for people that that may not have paid in for whatever reason, or have, have waited too long to file and have lost some of their credits. But for most folks, it, it's the idea that you're going to have to be out of work uh, for a year or more.
0: How long ago did we start actually dealing with people with disabilities from the legal standpoint?
2: The Social Security Administration has been around uh, you know since FDR era, and then uh, in the 50s and 60s, there were some, some changes made within the, the disability side of things, and then it's really become much more prevalent And in, in probably the last 40, 45 years where things have really gotten to, to be more what we would consider the, the program now that we have. The changes are constant, but it's it's been about that long since we've had the, the system that we know.
1: We talked initially in the introduction about the number of people in America living with a disability. How does the Social Security Administration define disability?
2: You know, there are you know, hundreds, if not thousands of different types of ailments that a person might have that, that would preclude work. And that's really what it comes down to is how does whatever that you have going on with your physical or mental health that's going to affect your ability to, to do what we call substantial gainful activity, under the social security regs. Now, that's a fancy term for being able to work, you know, just because somebody might have diabetes, that's only one aspect of it. It's, you know, how does the diabetes affect their ability to show up to work every day, eight hours a day, five days a week, without needing significant accommodations? The Social Security Administration doesn't really look at the accommodation side of things, like, like we would with the Americans with Disabilities Act. We look at could a person do this job or a job without needing, needing some accommodation. And it's really that everyday aspect of work that precludes most people from the workforce. There's a lot of folks on disability that could work four or five days or three or four days a week, maybe even five, but we just don't know which three or four that they're going to work or they, they can't, you know, string two weeks a row, two weeks in a row together successfully to be able to, you know, for, for an employer to be able to schedule, for instance.
1: When we uh, spoke with uh, on another episode with a lawyer about veterans benefits in the history of that, he explained that it wasn't until just, you know, the last few decades or so that lawyers have become more involved in that process.
2: Well, it's always, there have always been lawyers involved in it. The Supplemental Security Income side of things, um, kind of like the VA used to uh, have a pretty uh, onerous limit on uh, the amount that a fee could, uh, an attorney could could make. Supplemental Security Income, SSI, had that for for many number of years. They made it very difficult for an attorney to get paid with the the end result being most attorneys that, that handled disability did not want to get involved in that but there's always been uh, attorneys involved most folks especially folks over 50 it, it, it certainly uh, is it to their benefit to contact an attorney before they they start the process because it, it can be pretty pretty onerous
0: what does it take to apply for these disability benefits do you have to lose your job do you have to have to be forced to resign from your job before you can apply
2: well you, you have to apply with the social security administration and you have to be out of work or be below that current SGA, or Significant Gainful Activity Amount, that's to even get it really started. And then once, once that happens, now the, I should point out, the closer you are to that SGA amount, the more difficult it is going to be for you to be successful. But, but that's the first thing, you, you, you generally have to be out of work or, or just about out of work to really get started.
0: Then, then you file a form. Do you have to have any sustaining documents to go with that to show you are disabled or somebody thinks you're disabled?
2: Right. So, what happens is so, you there's a couple of ways. Um, you can get on SSAGOV slash disability, SSAGOV slash disability, and, and do an online form. Uh, the Social Security number or Social Security Administration has a toll free number. i believe it's my understanding that they'll call you back you you schedule an appointment and they'll call you back and then you you'll answer some questions uh the questions are generally very straightforward kind of you know name rank and serial number uh, places you've worked but the real uh, key that they're looking for here bob is they're looking for where you've gone to get medical care and and where is the proof because ultimately the person claiming disability has the burden of proving that they are disabled and they're not just going to take your word for it. They want to see some medical evidence and, and, and medical evidence varies, obviously, you know, the an MRI showing severe back problems is kind of the gold standard or a blood test or a CT scan where it's not just somebody coming in and claiming that they're depressed or, or those type of things where they're, you know, it's a subjective versus objective medical evidence.
0: Do you have to waive confidentiality of your medical records to uh, to get this information to Social Security? They will they will require you to sign a HIPAA release. Yes.
1: Once you apply at that point, do you recommend that people contact a lawyer at that initial process? Or is that something that individuals should just try to do on their own?
2: Well, uh, th- there's no easy answer to that. I We're guess. used to the
1: it depends. <laughs> it, well, it, is,
2: it, it, it does depend. And, and what it depends on, um, there's, there's a very significant change in the law when somebody reaches their 50th birthday or close to it. And then it, it, it becomes uh, easier, quote unquote, uh, for someone to qualify for disability. And and the reason that it becomes a little bit easier for folks is before somebody that's 40, 49, even 45 or younger folks, all jobs are on the table. You have to prove that there is not a single job out of all 1200 or I'm sorry, 12,760 some odd jobs that they say exist in the national economy, different types of work. You have to get down to zero if you're under the age of 50. When somebody reaches 50, that narrows, and we start looking at what has this person done for the last 15 years? And that's what we call your relevant work history. And that's really all social security cares about, is what you've done for the last 15 years before you claim you became disabled. And that that applies to any age. Can you go back to any of that type of work or something really close? Or do you have a skill set that would help you adjust to something Less physically or mentally demanding.
0: Is there kind of an understanding that at the age of fifty you somehow become more decrepit than when you're forty-nine?
2: Well, they, they've drawn a line in the sand somewhere where they've decided that it's it's harder for an old dog to learn new tricks, <laughs> and the fifties where it is right now. Uh, now it, it narrows even more at fifty-five, and it narrows even more at sixty.
0: But that gets, I guess, that gets to another question I'd written down here to ask you about because if you if you're a bricklayer, for example, and you're 52 and you apply for disability because your your back has gone bad and you can't lay bricks anymore, do you then have to also prove that you can't make the same kind of living doing something else, uh, whether it's uh, selling shoes in a shoe store or something like that?
2: Well, that that's the, the bricklayer is is the interestingly enough is the example that I use a lot when I'm talking to folks. Um, because bricklaying is a highly skilled occupation. Plumber, pipe fitter, electrician. All these things are very highly skilled. No different than being a, a, a doctor or a lawyer or, or whatever. It's just you, you acquire your skill set differently, right? You, you acquire it, uh, on the job or, you know, through the union or, or however. Um, but they recognize that that bricklayer, is not going to transition very well, when he's 52, to an office job. Because first of all, like it or not, you know who's gonna hire him? And that's really kind of an unspoken thing that they look at. But they recognize that nobody's really gonna train this, wanna train this person, and they recognize that that brick skill set does not transfer to that office job or that sales job. So it's not so much, the proof of, of loss of income, but it's more they recognize that if if this person is going to be limited to sit-down work, that nobody's really going to hire them to do sit-down work at 52.
1: The more you know about the law, the better decisions you can make for your life, your family, and your finances. I'm Farrah Fight.
0: And I'm Bob Pretty. We'll see you on the next edition of Is It Legal Too? And more topics from the Missouri Bar are available at missourilawyershelp.org slash is it legal to. Show me today. Show me today.